Open your Bible to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. It's how, it's the book of the Bible that proves that God loves coffee because he brews. Here's a Bible joke that's only funny if you know the story. Uh, what was Boaz like before he got married? Hey, he was ruthless. He married a girl named Ruth. So he's got that going for him. I was crystalless, I guess. Anyway, I mean all that about my wife. And, and gentlemen, can I just say this? I don't just tell her those things in front of people. And, and I'm not here to tell you that we have the best marriage in the world. We just have the best God in the world. And then we pursue God together. But I can tell you this, if you'll spend the rest of your life pursuing your wife like you pursued her before you married her, you won't have a problem losing her. It's just the way it is. Same thing, ladies. If you'll pursue him the way you pursued him before you got married, you probably won't have nearly as much difficulty uh, as you could otherwise. But Hebrews chapter number 12 We'll begin there in just a moment. 2015 is wrapping up. It's coming to an end. Maybe you made it, all of your goals. Maybe you completed all of your goals. Maybe you did it. Uh, maybe in 2015, January, you had a list of, of 10 goals and you got five of them done. Maybe you, you hit your, your weight loss goal. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you hit it and you came right back where you were. I don't know. It happens. But 2015 is coming to an end. We're coming to the end of it. And I don't want us carrying anything into 2016 that we don't need to carry. I don't want us carrying a bunch of burdens in 2016. I want 2016 to be the year when you overcome all the things that it, maybe 2015 you were going to quit smoking and you, and you just missed it. Well, I just declare it's not over. Just because we're coming to the end of a year, you know, the only, uh, I read a lot in one of the quotes that I read one time, it says, the only time you really fail is if you don't learn something or you quit. So in your life, you have to dictate where the finish line is. And really, uh, it's cliche, but if you really understand that the journey of life is the destination, you'll stop benchmarking Every little thing as if when I get here, I'll be happy. When I get there, I'll be happy. When I complete this project, I'll be happy. When I can fit into this shirt, I'll be happy. When I can do this, I'll be, when I make this much money, I'll be happy. No, if everything that you're living for predicates upon what happens to you, happiness will always be a thing that you're striving for. But if you can trust God, you can experience the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. Because his joy has nothing to do with what happens to you. If the devil can't steal your joy, then he can't steal your strength. Consequently, if you lose your joy, you've lost your strength. So we've got to get to the place in 2015 where we forget about what we've been through that's negative we remember the good things that God has done for us that are positive and then moving forward, we press towards the mark. We move towards a target that we know we're going to get to one day, but we're not going to get to the target until we cross over and we get to the other side and we're with Jesus in a place called heaven. That's when it's quote unquote over and even then it's not over, it's just our next phase. But we've got to get to a place in God where we lay aside everything that's behind us and we stress and we press for what is in front of us. 
Not stressing in a manner that the world would think, but stressing in a way that says, I put this at a higher importance level than anything else in my life. I put my relationship with God. I put my relationship with my spouse. I put my relationship with my children. I put my dedication to the things of God, to the people of God, to the house of God. I put all these things in a position that's elevated above everything else in my life. So I'm stressing what's important and then I'm pressing towards it just like the Bible says. And now all of a sudden you're ready for 2016. No, we're not just going into 2016. We're going to go into 2016 like a rocket. We're going to go into 2016 like a mighty wave. We're going to go into 2016 fueled by the power of God, by the fire of God, by the anointing of God. We're not going to do everything the way we used to do it. If there's something that's been holding you back, listen, if there's a television show and you can't watch it without it just consuming you and it's not building you up and you're going, well, I don't know if it's wrong, but I don't know if it's helping me, I dare you just lay that thing aside. If 2016, uh, if you've never said, you know what, I'm really going to trust God with my money. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to take 10% of what I make and I'm going to bring it to God's house. If you've never done that, I encourage you, let 2016 be the year when you start things off on the good foot, so to speak. The Bible says it like this. this is, uh, I'm, I'm hesitant to talk about it because it's part of a series I'm going to do in January. Uh, talking about family, a work in progress. Because you just saw two beautiful families. But everybody looks good on Sunday morning. But family's a work in progress. You're always working on family. And and one of the things uh, with regards to family is God tends to work with what you give Him. You see, the Bible says this way. The Bible says God causes all things to work together for good for them that love Him and are called according to His purpose. If you're in church on a Sunday morning, especially when I left my house, it was 77 degrees. I got to Highway 6, it was 55 degrees. I turned off of Highway 6, it was 77 degrees. And when I got to the church, it was 55 degrees again. So today would have been a pretty good day to stay under the covers and watch some football, I'm just saying. (laughs) So for you guys to be in church on a Sunday morning, that means you love God. You're interested in the things of God. And you're called according to His purpose because we're all called, the Bible says. So he takes all of the stuff that you bring him and he causes it to manifest and work together for good. Now, if you went to your kitchen today and, and you knew that somebody real important was coming over, like maybe Larry Hallam, that's my dad. If you knew Larry Hallam was coming over for lunch and you said, man, I got to cook him uh, some food and, and you looked in there and you got some, you know, eight-day-old tuna fish. You got, a, you got a, a Papa John's pizza and you don't have any more of that little garlic butter sauce, so who wants the pizza? You know what I'm saying? You got some cinnamon rolls. You got, you got some, some, some hamburger helper. And that's all you got. You could mix that together and you could make something edible. And it would be good. But what if you were working with the best ingredients? What if you went to the grocery store and you got to pick all the best ingredients, put those in the basket, and then you had some time to work on it? You had some time to read a recipe book. Now you can present to the person that you're trying to please, to the person that you're trying to provide for, you can present to something them better than you could have with the junk leftover ingredients that you had to work with before. See, it's that way with God. We give him our stuff and he works with it. 
So holiness and living for God and grace and the, the fact that God's grace supersedes everything, they're not mutually exclusive. No, holiness and living for God and grace work hand in hand because the grace of God is what takes you from a place where you can't access God to a place where you can access God. But then the pursuit of God and the living after the things of God is handing God the best ingredients possible to work with. Now granted, He's going to make you something good because all His things work together. Everything that He does works together for good no matter matter what you do he uses them all for good but if you'll give him some good ingredients in 2016 you'll go into 2017 rip roaring and ready to go instead of going oh man i wish i hadn't done all these other things that's why and again i'm not picking on cigarettes today but that's why the lord doesn't like tobacco because it kills you now can he work with somebody who smokes cigarettes so i know some powerful ministers who smoke cigarettes they're from a different culture than I'm really in. But, but powerful people. But can God not work? Of course God can work with that. But in your life, what if you gave God some good stuff? To, what if instead of telling God, here's my leftover tuna, here's my eight-day-old uh, hamburger helper, and here's my, my cinnamon rolls, make me something good. If you said, Lord, here's some filet mignon, here's some asparagus, here's some beautiful baked potatoes from Idaho, here's some uh, apple pie with bluebell ice cream, glory to God. <laughs> you know, if you, what if you begin to give Him the right ingredients, the best ingredients? He's still the ultimate chef now. He's still going to make something wonderful. But in your life, the better ingredients you give him, the better result he's going to give you. Hebrews uh, chapter number 12. Wherefore, seeing we're also encompassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let, aside, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience or endurance. Uh, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Well, that's a, there's some argument about the first part of that verse. Compass about with such a great cloud of witnesses. There's some, there's some people that believe that, that, that literally people who've, who've gone to be with the Lord can see us. Or maybe the witnesses are, are angels. There's certainly some argument for that. But everybody here is surrounded right now by witnesses. You guys are looking at me. Anything I do, you're witnessing there's certain things that you wear at your house when you're watching the Cowboys that you don't wear in public. Not because you're not comfortable in what you're wearing, but because when you're in public, you're surrounded by witnesses. They see you. So it's the same thing with living for God. It doesn't mean that there's anything fake about you speaking faith, talking faith, acting faith. There's nothing fake about that. No, when you're surrounded by people who are looking at you, you put your best foot forward for the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean, oh, that mean, oh, we're not going to be real, we're not going to pull the mask back? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, listen, you don't air dirty laundry around all the witnesses. So your life and my life, there's things that we do, there's things that we don't do, and it helps you to understand when people are going to see you, you just act a certain way. Like whenever your mom or dad, mainly your mom probably, whenever you were going to a friend's house, they didn't tell you, be right. They told you, act right. Well, the definition of acting 
is doing something that you are not exactly thereof. Meaning, if I'm a character, I'm acting somewhere. So your whole life you've been told to act right because there's people around you. You've been told to act right because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So it's the same thing in your life and my life. we got to do this thing for God with strength. we got to do this thing uh, with vigor and joy because people are watching you. The people at the water cooler. The people who send you the email. You know that joke that you, you're like, man, I want to tell them not to send me those kind of jokes, but I don't want to offend them and make them think that I'm one of those kind of people, but, but, I, but I'm, I'm nervous about it. You know, five people sneeze, and you're the only person that says, God bless you. Everybody's on pins and needles, and they say, happy holidays, and you're walking in, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. You're the Christian. Somebody says something to you, you say, man, I'm going to pray for you. Somebody says something about you, you pray under your breath before you do anything else, before you respond. You're that person. Let me tell you what they're doing. Because this has happened to me a dozen times or more in my life. They're watching you. They're watching you because they want to know, do they really believe this thing? Do they really believe this thing? And then there'll be a moment. Maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe it's a moment. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's something. But something will shift in their life and they will need to know what is the reality of this man named Jesus. And the only person that they can talk to that has any experience with him is the guy who says, God bless you. The lady who says, I'll pray for you. And they're watching you the whole time. That's why that we run our race knowing we are surrounded by witnesses because I don't want to drop the ball because the Bible says that I'm not supposed to cause my brother to stumble so if they're sitting there watching me I want them to know I'm the one you can call if something happens I'm not the answer but I know him they're watching us all the time they're watching (laughs) looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher everybody say finisher Of our faith. I'll stop there. One translation says he's the pioneer and the perfecter. Pioneers always go ahead and they scout the way. A perfecter is somebody who makes something that wasn't good better. Who makes something that's just okay, more perfect. When we go into 2016, we have to recognize and we have to remember that Jesus Christ, he's the beginning of this thing and he's the end of this thing. No, you've got to go into 2016 knowing that we're going to lay aside all the weights that so easily beset us and the way we're going to do that, number one, is just like this. You've got to agree with God. You've got to agree with God. There's four areas I want to talk about, but you've got to get in agreement with God. Number one, if you're a blood-bought Christian, if you're born again, if you're saved, number one, you are forgiven. Really. Really. You're forgiven. What you used to be is not what you are today. You are forgiven. Your slate has been wiped clean. You have been uh, uh, set free from the burdens and the bondage of your past. The decisions that you have made that you are not proud of, you are not bound to. The decisions that you've made that you are not proud of, you are not held to. The decisions that you made that you, that you just wish everybody didn't know, listen to me, you are forgiven. 
You, you don't carry that stuff around anymore. Listen, the devil's going to try to tell you that you used to be this and you, you're no better than this and you're no better than that. No, you remind him, listen, no, I'm forgiven, the Bible says. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. He said, my sins are separated from me as far as the east is from the west. Now, I don't know how far that is, but it's pretty far. I'm forgiven. Robert Downey Jr. is a very interesting actor. Uh, Iron Man does a phenomenal job. He was arrested in prison, in jail, uh, maybe even prison, I don't know, for, for felony drug charges. A friend of ours, a minister who comes to our church, Dr. Tim Story, went and visited him in prison, moved him into his own home and ministered the gospel of Jesus Christ to Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. crying at the visitation, one of the visitations in prison when Tim was telling him, God will bless you, God will open the windows of heaven over your life, He will restore you. Tim says it like this. He says a setback is always a setup for a comeback. He's telling Robert Downey Jr. this. Robert Downey Jr. is crying and he told him he got mad at him. He said, Tim, don't you lie to me. Don't you tell me God can do something. He said, look where I've fallen to. Tim said, the harder you're thrown down, the higher you'll bounce back. And he ministered to him. He loved on him. They just, just became great friends. And now he's the highest paid actor in Hollywood. All because God took a man at his worst moment. Now, I, listen, if you know things about Robert Downey Jr. and, and, and what, I don't even want to know him. I don't care. All I know is what I'm telling you is true. A man of God went into prison and pulled him out and rescued him from a pit that he was in. I read in the news this week, Robert Downey Jr., has been acquitted and absolved of all of his felony drug charges. He's been completely forgiven for what happened. Now he's been forgiven uh, because he's you know, got his act together, because he's a nice philanthropist, easy for you to say. He's a nice philanthropist, philanthropist. He does great things in the communities that he's involved in. And the judge says, because of what you've done, we're absolving you of everything. You and I are in that position, only it's better. Because of what he has done, you've been absolved of everything. Don't go into 2015 carrying around any of the sin or mistakes you've made. Let's pray. Matter of fact, just pray this after me. Say, oh God, in Jesus' name, I give you all my mistakes. I repent. Wipe my slate clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a hand of praise. Number one, you're forgiven. Number two, you're valuable. I'm gonna move quickly for the sake of time. You're extremely valuable. Value is something that's hard to place. It's hard to come up with. If you ask my wife, valuable means 50% off or better. But value is hard to determine. Because you may have, say it's a house, you may have a house and that house is worth $200,000 to you. But you can't get anybody to pay you more than $100,000. Then the world says that that value for your house that you think is two hundred dollars is really $100,000. Meaning the value of an object 
is the price somebody's willing to pay for it. You are extremely valuable, not because of who you are, not because you live on the right street, not because you have the right last name, not because you have the right job, not because you've made all the right decisions, not because you've married the right person or didn't marry the right person, not because you never made mistakes, not because you don't have any bad vices, not because you don't have any bad uh, habits. You are valuable because of what God was willing to pay for you. The value of something or somebody is strictly determined by what somebody is willing to pay. And Jesus paid with his very own blood. His whole life on earth was spent preparing and planning for that moment in time whenever he was going to give his entire life for you. That means you can't ever look in the mirror, never, 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 never again, never look in the mirror and begin to abuse yourself by talking about what you are or what you're not because you are one of the most valuable commodities that has ever been created because you were paid for with the blood of the Lamb of God Himself. You got to go into 2016 knowing I'm forgiven. That doesn't say I'm perfect. It says he's perfect. I'm forgiven. If the devil starts reminding you of your shortcomings, you start reminding him of his future. You are forgiven. Number two, you're valuable. Don't you just be acting normal. You're not normal. There's nothing no- You don't have a normal bone in your body. Those babies right there, everybody in this room would lay in traffic for one of those babies because of how precious they are. But somehow, as humans start to get older, we stop, we stop understanding and remembering our overwhelming value when God says that literally we're so important and so valuable that He would pay for us with His own life. I'm going to 2015, or to 2016, questioning what you're worth. If Jesus had to die again, he would die again. You know, a diamond is just an old rock, except somebody will pay a lot of money for it. Gold is just metal, except somebody will pay a lot of money for it. You're more valuable than money. All the money in the world. The blood of the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the one who was sitting at God's right hand, came down, put himself in the form of a little bitty baby, just like these, a little bitty baby, and then lived a life filled with victory without making one mistake, only for the purpose of giving his life for you. You cannot be more valuable. Your children, you ought to tell them every day how valuable they are. And I'm not talking, unless you do the lovey-dovey stuff, that's great. I'm all for the lovey-dovey stuff too. I do it. I wasn't a hugger until I had kids. Now I'm a hugger, I guarantee it. I want my kids to know that daddy loves them. And we do the lovey-dovey stuff and, you know, we have little pet names and all that's wonderful. But I'm telling you, you make sure they understand their value in God also. Let me tell you who you are to God. Let me tell you how much He loves you. Because when you say God to a little baby, they're seeing this huge thing in the sky, sitting on the throne, throwing rainbows and stars in the sky. And that's true. But they need to understand that He's looking down at them, going, that is the most precious thing that I could wrap my arms around. Because value is determined by what you pay for a thing. Number three, you're capable. Everybody say capable. It was 14 or 15 years ago. I've lived for Jesus my whole life. 14, 15 years ago, something happened to me. And from that moment, my fire has never dwindled. My fire has never grown low. 
I've pressed towards the things of God with everything that I believe I have in me. I've pressed towards the things of God. It doesn't mean that I haven't had moments. It doesn't mean that I haven't had uh, situations. It just means for the last 14 or 15 years, to the best of my ability, I have been striving towards the things of God. That is not a story of my iron will. It's not a story of my fortitude. It's not a story of what I can do. It's not a story of what, 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 what a person can come up with. No, it's a testament to how God will change you. You can ask my wife. I can't walk past a plate of cookies. It is not my willpower that makes me live for God. It is not my fervency personally that makes me live for God. No, it is the fact that he took a young man and he changed him and he will do it for you. He'll take those desires and he will switch them. He'll take all of your have-tos and turn them into want-tos. He'll change your life from the inside out and the rest of your life you will spend it focusing on him and loving him and pursuing him and trying to get everybody you know to go to heaven with you. Not because of who you are. If it rested on you, how sad would that be? If it rested on me, we're all in trouble. Especially if cookies are wrong. It has nothing to do with your unbelievable ability. It has everything to do with the power that He puts on the inside of you. The Bible says that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Don't you go into 2016 thinking that you're not powerful? You're overwhelmingly strong. The Bible says if God be for us, who can be against us? Don't you go into 2016 thinking something's going to come against you? The Bible says that you're the head and not the tail. You're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. You're above only and not beneath. Let the curse fall on somebody else, but it's not going to come near my house. You got to move into this thing. You're forgiven. Don't you carry that stuff around. You're extremely valuable and you are more than capable. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm not living by my own power. I'm living off of his. You can't drive your car all you want to sooner or later. You got to stop and gas up. Don't you try to live this life and not edify, refuel yourself in God. But you're capable. 2016 is one of the most powerful opportunities in God for you and for me. 2016 is one of the greatest moments in God for you and for me because right now you're positioned supernaturally to go in knowing you're forgiven, valuable, and capable. Last point, then I'm going to close. You have a purpose. I know it's crazy out there, and I get it. I'm raising children in it. I know. It's crazy. It's cra- we can't even turn the TV on hardly. Commercials are, are worse than R-rated movies were 10 years ago. That's true. There's studies out there that prove it. There's things shown on commercials that used to be, that used to would make a movie R-rated by the uh, people who rate them. It's crazy. I know. It's, it's a difficult time. It's not an easy time. But our Bible is filled with people who were called to do great things in difficult times. 
David was raised up because there was a giant that needed to be put in his place. Moses was raised up because a people needed to be delivered. And a Pharaoh had to know who the real God, the real God of all creation was. Joshua had to be raised up to make sure everybody knew that anything built by man's hands cannot withstand the Almighty God when he decides to move. I know it's a difficult time. I get it, but don't you go into 2016 thinking that you're just born. God did not make a mistake when he put you in this generation. God did not make a mistake when he planted you right where you are. God did not make a mistake when he positioned you with the people that you're surrounded by. God did not make a mistake when he puts you in the Google, Yahoo, Facebook generation. I guess not Yahoo, is it? Yahoo's over. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) The Google, Facebook, Instagram, Parrot Trap, Periscope, He didn't mess up. And I know it can be overwhelming. But there was somebody else that kind of felt like that in our Bible. The Spirit of God made it clear that she was raised up for such a time as this. You're properly positioned. It's not a surprise to God where you are, who you're around. You have a purpose. Your purpose, simply put, is to reach the unsaved and the unchurched. Never reject an inclination to share with somebody. That's the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been around somebody that ignores you? They don't stay around you very long. When the Holy Spirit says something to you, it is absolutely critical that you make an attempt to do what He says. Because if you ignore that still small voice, it just gets harder to hear. But in 2016, I want you going in there knowing that you have a purpose. You're not, it's, it's not just, you know, if... If you didn't have a purpose, let me tell you where you'd be. You'd be walking on streets of gold right now. You'd be dancing with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You'd be looking at your new mansion. You'd be staring at that old crystal sea, looking at the river of life, talking about how good God is. In heaven, that's where you would be right now. If you didn't have a purpose, you'd already be in heaven. But in 2016, you have a purpose. I encourage you to do a few things. Bible says, write the vision and make it plain. You have some heart desires that you want to take place. You've got about four or five days till 2016 gets here. I want you to set aside some time. And I want you to write down some of those desires that you want to come to pass. Some of it might be a family member that you want to know is saved. It might be somebody who's sick in your family, somebody fighting Alzheimer's or emphysema. God will heal them. Might be cancer in your family. The devil is a liar. 
It might be a, a goal. It might be to have your own house. In Jesus' name, I declare 2016 is going to be the year you see these desires come to pass. It might be to pay off your house. It might be to have two cars in your family. It might be to have a savings account. It might be to give more than you've ever been able to give to the kingdom. I don't know. They're your goals. It might be to expand your business. It might be to start a business. It might be that the end of 2016, you and your wife or you and your husband will be closer than you've ever been. It might be your desire to meet your wife or husband that God has for you. I believe He'll bring them into your life. But write those things down. I want you to look at them every day. Sometimes I tape things to my mirror. I look at my mirror every day. Sometimes I should look at it more, I know. <laughs> I look at my mirror every day. What do you want to do? What do you want to be? Write the vision, make it plain. Write the vision, make it plain. Put it before your eyes. You've got to see it sometimes in your spirit, man, long before you'll see it in the natural. You write the vision, you make it plain. What do you want to come to pass? You want to pay a credit card off? You want to never be in credit card debt again? What do you want to come to pass? Write the vision, make it plain. Write the vision, make it, make it plain. Listen, we're not going to get a redo. This is real life. 20 years from now, you know what you'll get if you don't start doing it with purpose. Write the vision, make it plain. What do you want to accomplish in 2016? You write it down. Here's what God will do. God will do abundantly above everything you can ask or think. I was sitting right back there where Brother Wayne is the other day. And I was brought to tears. Because all I could... All I could think about is how God has given me everything I've ever asked for. And sometimes I wonder, am I asking enough? Because it doesn't deplete Him to bless His children. It doesn't bother me if my kids ask me for another m and I'm happy to give them an m and Especially if it's in a cookie. <laughs> Write the vision, make it plain. Here's the tactic I want you to pursue. When you're praying over this, I want you to pray from those four points to know that you're forgiven. Jesus shed His own blood so that you could be forgiven. There is nothing separating you from God. Understand you're overwhelmingly valuable. Not in a haughty way. We don't look down at anybody. Never, never, never. That's nonsense. But understand, you are of the highest value imaginable, bought and paid for with the blood of God's only Son. Number three, pray from a position that you know you're capable to attain what you set out in front of you. Not because of your own vigor, not because of your own strength, but because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. You cannot be defeated. You say, what happens if I die? You get to go to heaven. We'll be there later. You cannot lose in this thing. You can't. Jesus is a no-lose equation. You cannot lose. You can't lose. You can't lose. Number four, 
I want you to pray from the overwhelming position that understands that you have a purpose. It's not all about you. I know a lot of you just got that revelation and you thought, I can't wait because I know some people I need to tell that to. It's not about you. You don't tell them. That's, we tell it to ourselves. It's not about me. You have a purpose. There are people watching. There's a great cloud of witnesses. There's people watching you. You're here to infiltrate the enemy's camp and take over, take back. Let 2016 be the year you take your family back. Somebody's got to rise up. If not us, who? And if not now, when? We're not waiting on anything. We're going to go into 2015, 2016, knowing we're forgiven, valuable, capable, and that we have a purpose. Everybody stand to your feet, please. Nothing I'm saying, nothing I've said means anything if you are not in right standing with God. If you are not saved, you are not forgiven. If you're not saved, it's hard to say you're capable because greater is He on the inside of you might not apply. 2016 is going to be the greatest year of your life, but if you don't have right relationship with God, none of it will matter. None of it. None of it. Nothing matters. It's just dust in the air. Nothing matters if you're not right with God. If that's you today and you say, you know what? I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. Jesus is not Lord of my life. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I've done things that I shouldn't do and I know I need to be forgiven. I know I need to be put in right standing with God. He considers you so valuable, so worth it, that He would give His own life for you. Maybe you would say it differently. Maybe you used to walk strong with God. Maybe even in January of 2015, you were so strong with God, but something happened and you dipped. And you lost relationship. You're like the prodigal son. You're, you're away from God. What you'll find is God running to you, ready to embrace you, ready to hug you, ready to clothe you, ready to authorize you. If that's you and you fall into one of those two categories, I don't want you going into 2016 without knowing where you sit with God, where you stand with God. Everybody, please bow your head and close your eyes. If you're in the building today and you're not right with God and you know it, Jesus is not Lord of your life. But today's the day where you say, you know what, I, I, I need that forgiveness. I want to I start over. I want to... I want to get it right. I want to reboot. I want to restart. Today's that day. There's no greater day because this is the last Sunday of the year. I want you to go into 2016 forgiven, valuable, capable, and on purpose. If that's you today and you fall into any one of those two categories and you want to say yes to Jesus, I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. I'm going to uplift your hand. You're simply saying, oh God, remember me. I want to know you. I want to be in relationship with you. I don't know what happened. I fell away a little bit. Maybe you've never said yes to him. He stands at the door and knocks.
when I count to three, if that's you, you want to say yes to Jesus, I just want you to lift your hand. I'm going to uplift the hand. You're saying, oh God, remember me. One, two, don't miss this. One, two, three, lift your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. High and bold, lift it high and bold. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand, praise God. We'll wait just another moment longer. There's two more. Just another moment longer. The Lord said, wait, just another moment. That's so good of God. One, two, three, tall and bold, tall and bold. Lift it up, lift it up. Praise God. You can put your hands down. If you lifted your hand or you wanted to, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Church, help us pray. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Forgive me of my sins as I turn to you. I believe you died and rose for my victory in Jesus' name. I commit my life to you and only you. I'm forgiven. I know I'm valuable. I'm more than capable and I'm on purpose. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Give God a hand of praise. Let me talk to you for just a moment if that was you and you made that decision. Christians do three things. Number one, they pray. Talk to God just like you're talking to your best friend. Simple, really. Number two, read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, get one. If you don't have a Bible, read it on your phone. If you don't have a phone, read it on the Internet. If you don't have the Internet, it's 2015. What do you mean you don't have the Internet? Read your Bible. If you don't know where to start, start with the Gospel of John, the book of John. It's a great book. Number three, Christians go to church. Iron sharpens iron. You felt God today because we did everything we could do to get you to this point. We praised God so that we would feel His presence. We preached His Word so that your heart would be pricked and you would be convicted of who God really is. Christians go to church. If you live within 100 miles, welcome to your new church. We're so glad you're here. But really, this is a very interesting point. When Jesus met the disciples, He said, follow me. He didn't come and say, I'm going to follow you. Now the ball is in your court. You will wake up tomorrow and you will have to go to work. You will have to get the kids dressed and you will still have to do the dishes and the laundry and change the oil in your car and everything that you were doing. The difference is, now you're a born-again Christian. And born-again Christians live like it. We act like it. We talk like it. Pursue the things of God. And the things of God will begin to pursue you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lift your hands. I'm going to pray a blessing on you. We'll be dismissed. Father, in Jesus' name, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you for 2015. We started the year uh, renting a building. We ended the year owning a building. Thank you for 2015, for the souls that were saved, for the marriages that were restored, for the jobs that were, got, that were had, for the uh, contracts, for the businesses that were burdened, for the ideas, for the homes, for the advantages, for the healings. Thank you for what you've done in our life. Thank you, God, that you blessed us coming into 2015. And, oh, God, you are blessing us going out of 2015. I declare and decree 
that this year has been a year of the Lord and we have seen your hand move, but I decree also that the latter house, the future, will be greater than our past in the name of Jesus. So as we go into 2016, I pray health over every family. I pray the anointing of God over every family, power over every family. I declare in Jesus' name that 2016 is going to be a year of increase in Jesus' mighty and holy name. Amen and amen. Give God a hand of praise. God bless you. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday.